to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Those who sow to the flesh or those who live their lives indulging in forbidden fleshly behaviors or sinful practices, the end result is going to be ruined. And there's no exceptions to this. And I emphasize that because what happens, the deception is thinking that, well, my situation is different. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, in a message titled, Sowing and Reaping. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Here in Galatians, once again, and we're coming down to the conclusion of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And I think it's uh, appropriate, interesting, relevant, however you want to put it, but just the, the passage here, verse 7, as Paul is drawing things to a conclusion he, he says to the Galatians, be not deceived, do not be deceived. And uh, the, the relevance, I think, um, for us is we are living in a time when there is more deception in our culture than in, at any previous time, I, I think, in so many ways. And it, it shouldn't surprise us in a sense because the biblical picture of the history of the world is that we are moving closer and closer toward the, the coming again of Christ, but the coming again of Christ will be preceded by a time of unprecedented deception in the world where the whole world is going to buy into the lie of the Antichrist. And this you know, final world ruler that's coming onto the scene in the future, one of the things that it says about him is he deceives the whole world. He deceives the whole world into thinking that he is the long-awaited savior of mankind. So as that's where the world is headed, we can see that the current situation is, is just following right along the storyline of what God says in his word as we see an increase in deception in our world. But the more concerning thing and the more relevant thing to us is just the, the possibility of deception within the church. And so these words are words that are very, very important for us to take heed to that we ourselves as God's people are not deceived, uh, deceived by our own lust, our own desires, and uh, those kinds of things. So Paul says, as we read together, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Now, there, there are many ways that um, a, a person might be deceived. And even in the context of, of our Christian lives, of course, we can be deceived through false teaching, false teaching about God, wrong ideas, false religion, cults, things like that. And, and those things are a possibility that we have to be 
conscious of and we have to be on our guard against. But what Paul's talking about here is not really referring to that. Paul's here talking about the deception that we would come under, that a person might come under when we are seeking to satisfy some forbidden desire of the flesh. That's when our propensity for deception uh, is at a higher level because I, I want things to be a certain way so I, I'm vulnerable at this point to self-deception. And that's what Paul is warning about here because he's warning about uh, a deception that, that refers to the things of the flesh, sowing to the flesh, which is basically Paul's way here of, of, of talking about living a life that is given over to sinful fleshly desire rather than a life given over to the life of the spirit. So do not be deceived. Paul uses this phrase two other times in his letters, once to the Corinthians and once to the Ephesians. And in each one of those places, 1 Corinthians 6, Ephesians chapter 5, the context is always in regard to living sinfully and particularly, not exclusively, but in, in the realm of sexual sin. But it's, it's not just that, but, but it is that as well. And so there's the, the warning in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, where Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers nor idolaters. And he goes on with a, a list there. And then in writing to the Ephesians, he's talking about fornication and sexual kinds of sin. And he says, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. So the empty words would be things like, hey, you know, it's okay. God's not really concerned about that. No, go ahead and live that way. That's, uh, if that's what makes you happy, God wants your happiness. That's what his ultimate objective is for you to be happy then just whatever makes you happy, that's, that's what you can do. Or like we hear today, some people say, well, you know, this is the way God made me. This is the, the person that I truly am deep inside. And I know that the most important thing is just expressing myself and, and living out who I really am. And God made me this way after all. So what's the problem? Those are the kinds of deceptive words that Paul is warning us against not to be deceived by those kinds of things. Now, we know that these letters are written to Christians. And so these warnings are to believers primarily, but they also would be warnings to people who are not really believers, but maybe they're churchgoers. You know, there, there are lots of people that go to church, but are not believers in the, in the biblical sense. And so for the person like that, Paul is warning about the, the end result of this life of the flesh. That end result is going to be destruction, corruption. But then for, for those who are living according to the spirit, which is one of the ways that Paul describes a believer, the end result is going to be everlasting life. 
but whether it's deceiving oneself into thinking that we can live any way we want and in the end it's all going to be good or okay, or if it's deceiving ourselves to the point of dismissing the idea of there being a God and therefore since there's no God, there's no accountability and of course no God, no accountability, there's ultimately no judgment. These are the things that people deceive themselves with today. I was walking through the area of Soho in New York and there was a um, like an outdoor art display. It was a, they were selling art pieces Uh, and you know, just walking along and looking at the different pieces of art there. And there was a little tile that was painted red and it said John 3.16 on it. I thought, oh, wow, it's got a little Christian piece of art here. And as I looked closer, it said opium. And it, and it almost looked like somebody came by with a, a Sharpie and, and wrote opium on there. And, you know, so for a second in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man, somebody messed this thing up. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, oh, no, this is the artist. The artist is saying that John 3.16, for God's soul of the world, is opium. This is a famous Karl Marx statement, you know, that religion is the opiate of the people. Religion is the thing that, uh, you know, gets people's minds off reality so they can cope, but it's all fake. That's the point. But, you know, as I saw that, I thought, these are the deceptive words. This is the kind of deception that, that people buy into. The, the fact of the matter is uh, atheism is the opiate of the people because atheism tells you you can live any way you want, you can do anything you want, you can behave any way you want, and there's no accountability. There's, you're never going to answer for this. There is no afterlife. You just live and die, and that's the end of it. That is what people are deluded with today. But what Paul tells us here is do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, that they shall also reap. So this is the reality that the scriptures put forth. You know, humanity has always had their philosophies and their theories But this is what God says. We're not to be deceived. He's not going to be mocked. In other words, what God says is absolutely true. And in the end, God will have the final word. Something for us all to remember. In the end, God will have the final word. And if we sow to the flesh, we will reap of the flesh. Corruption. That's... That's God's word on living our lives. So sowing, the idea, of course, is is planting. And and we know that just from the standpoint of observation, everything produces after its kind, right? So whatever seed you plant in the soil, the crop is going to be that whatever that particular seed happened to be. And so Paul's using this as an analogy for us to show us that you can't sow to the flesh and reap anything other than the corruption that comes from the flesh. You can't sow to the flesh and reap life. So in other words, you can't live 
contrary to the revealed will of God and expect a blessing in the end or something positive to come from it. God is not mocked. All will be held accountable for everything. Now think about that for a moment. Every idle word that a person speaks, Jesus said they will give account for it on the day of judgment. That to me is so frightening. Every idle word. You know, every single thing, apparently, every single thing we've ever said has been recorded. How else would we give an account for every idle word? But that is consistent with what we're told in other places of scripture. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, where we have a picture of the final judgment that's coming, it says this, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. Isn't that kind of frightening to think of that? That everything's being written down. It's all being recorded. So, so God will not be mocked. And God help us not to be deceived in this area. So sowing and reaping, sowing to the flesh, reaping corruption, sowing to the spirit, reaping life everlasting. That's the promise. That's, that's what God says. This is, this is the, the absolute truth. And there's no exceptions to the rule. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. The Greek word that's translated corruption is translated in a number of different ways in our New Testament. It's translated decay. It's translated destroyed. It's translated perish. But the idea is ruin. So those who sow to the flesh or those who live their lives indulging in forbidden fleshly behaviors or sinful practices, those who live that way, the, the byproduct, the end result is going to be ruin. And there's, there's no exceptions to this. And I emphasize that because what, what happens, the deception is thinking that, well, I'm, my situation is different. And the, the person who is deceived, like Paul's talking about here, is the person who's convinced themselves that their situation is different. That uh, I know that this is true in most cases, or I know it's been uh, true for everybody else, but for me, it's going to be different. I remember many years ago having a conversation with a person, and they were in the process of, of a guy, actually a friend, that I'd known for many years, and he was in the process of leaving his wife. And he was telling me that it was okay. He was telling me that God had actually given him permission to leave his wife, who had not committed any sin, who was not unfaithful to him. But actually, according to him, it was because his wife never really satisfied his needs. So God was giving him permission to leave her for another woman. And, and he's looking me straight in the eye and he's telling me this with a straight face and, you know, absolutely, this is what God has spoken to me. And I just said, well, can you find me a verse in the Bible to support that? And he said, well, I, I don't need that, you know, because God's spoken to my heart. And this is what God has shown me. Now, this is just one example. I've had numerous people say similar kinds of things to me. But when somebody says that, I just look him in the eye and say, you are deceived. You're self-deceived. 
and what you think, because the, the whole, his whole theory was, I, I haven't been blessed like I deserve to be. And so God's moving me into a new place where I can get the fulfillment, i.e. the blessing that I deserve. But the truth of the matter is, no, corruption, ruin is really what awaits you. That, that's the, those are the cold hard facts. We, we will never, and, and again, Paul says, God is not mocked. We will never live according to the flesh and reap anything good. It, it, does, it can't happen. It doesn't work that way. So sowing in the flesh reaps corruption, but sowing to the spirit. They who sow to the spirit will reap of the spirit everlasting life. Now, everlasting life is two words in the Greek. And one is the word that's translated everlasting or aeonios is the Greek word. And it just, it's, it's the word that's often translated the ages, life that goes, goes on through the ages. And the other word is zoe. That's the Greek word for love. Um, life here. And it's the life. It's actually that word is used in reference to the life of God. God's life is Zoe life. Or, or Jesus said, he said, or John says about Jesus in him was life. And that, that's the word, the Greek word Zoe. So it's the life of God. It's the life of Christ. It's a fullness of life. It's a, a vigorous and an active life. It's a life that transcends the ages. It's a, in other words, it's a quality of life. And this is the promise. Sowing to the spirit reaps ultimately this kind of life. So, you know, these are the two things that are set before us as human beings. These are the two options. We can sow to the flesh and the harvest is always going to be corrupt. We can sow to the flesh, and in the end, our lives will be a heap of ruins. Or we can sow to the Spirit, and the end of our life will be this, this age abiding, this quality of life that is unmatched, unsurpassed, unattainable anywhere else, this quality of life. Those are the two options. And... These are the things that we need to be really clear about. Not being deceived. This past week, I had the opportunity to speak with a man who's not a believer. And he's going through a crisis in his marriage that he brought on himself. And after almost three decades of marriage, he's been unfaithful to his wife. And she recently discovered that. And so... You know, everything's kind of falling apart. He's, he's about my age, a little bit younger than I am. And, and he said to me in the conversation, he said, well, you know, I feel really bad about what I've done. And I've, you know, I've messed up my wife's life and all of that. But on the other hand, you know, I've been pretty miserable in my marriage. And now I've got, you know, just, I've reached this stage in life and my career and all of that. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty well off and I'm 
pretty secure. And I'm kind of thinking that I want to just enjoy the rest of my life. And this other person or someone like this other person, because he thought maybe this other person wasn't going to be interested in him anymore, but maybe somebody like that, you know, maybe I can go on. And this whole idea was maybe I can go on and just have a, the enjoyable life that I've never had. And uh, I said, well, I said, you and I are close to the same age. And let's just think about a couple of things. Number one, you got a lot less life ahead of you than you have behind you. <laughs> so, you know, I said, is it going to be a short-lived adventure if this is the adventure you're going on? But beside that, and, and you know, it was really interesting because this, this person was open and uh, they were very transparent. It was, it was really a fascinating conversation. And, you know, he, he was telling me, look, you know, I'm successful. I, I have means. I have all of this. But, you know, he was just kind of saying, but, but I'm not happy. And I haven't been happy. So, but he's thinking that maybe he hasn't been happy because of his situation. But maybe he's going to be happy if he can just move, move on down the road into a new relationship. And I said, well, you know, think about that. I said, because... You know, think about the, the people that are celebrities, the people that we, you know, we, we see on the, on the movie screen or the people that we listen to on the whatever. And, and I said, you know, these people have it all. They have all the money. They have the notoriety. They have the fame. They have all of that stuff. But have you ever noticed how they can't stay married? Have you ever noticed how they many times they can't stay out of rehab centers and things like that? You know, they're always so... If that stuff really was going to bring anybody into a place of just absolute, you know, wonderful life, you know, these guys would have already been there. And then we would know that, yeah, this is how to get there. But it doesn't happen. And it's not happening with them. And don't fool yourself. It's not going to happen with you either. It's going to be the same situation. But again, it's just this whole truth of sowing to the flesh can only produce ruin. That's, that's the end result. But sowing to the spirit brings life, everlasting life, age abiding life. So it's a quality of life that Jesus gives us that there's nothing like it in the world. And it's just going to get better and better as we go on through eternity. And it comes to us. It is the result of the work of the Spirit. So as we sow to the Spirit, as we make the Spirit the, the thing that we invest in, in our lives, the things of the Spirit, the promises that we will reap this life. And so... Paul says then in verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, when he says, let us not grow weary while doing good, doing good here, we can just translate it, let us not grow weary sowing to the Spirit. That's what he's talking about, the same thing. So, sowing to the Spirit is doing good. What is doing good? Well, what he's talking about here is let us not grow weary living righteously.
For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. Coincidence, do things in life simply happen by chance? Or is there actually a loving God behind the scenes who is weaving His goodness into the details of our lives? Well, in his book, The Myth of Coincidence, John Bonner testifies of the God who uses our failures, weaknesses, and tragedies to intentionally create a life of fruitfulness. If you want to be encouraged that this same God is working in your life in purposeful ways, this book will remind you that God is indeed at work in your life too. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.